podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for the new sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live for the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 9th. Um, been a couple weeks, I guess, since the, the crew was back together, so I'm glad to have um, the fellas back on the show up in uh, Fishersville. David Spitz is on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Sorry, for I couldn't find the mute button there. A little rusty. <laughs> I guess Google me. I don't know. <laughs> Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? <laughs> Google me, Chuck. <laughs> uh, also up at uh, Arlington, uh, staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the program. How are you, man? Doing well. Doing well, Brad. Let's get back into some good topics. Uh, God, I knew you were going to go there. It's been a while, you know. Uh, <laughs> we're post-spring football, you know. A lot, not a lot going on right now. I mean, so. basketball recruiting is basically done for 2019. Give, give the people your, your Twitter. At Justin underscore Ferber. If you like cocky, <laughs> true. If you like, if you like to see what what beer choice Ferber has made this evening for the Capitals game, uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I did, uh, I did radio this week in, uh, in no, in Huntsville, Alabama, which um, I'm I'm sure is related to the to the topic we're we're about to discuss. Um, and uh, I'm sure that there were a lot of people driving in around Huntsville in their minivans and such. Uh, the other morning wondering why there was this dude from Virginia talking about Braxton Key but there I was and I actually did the whole little spiel that I just did then like the whole like uh uh content items in the occasion like I, I I've never done that anywhere else but here and then it just kind of happened and afterwards like it that nobody like got that it was like funny except me so I had to tell you guys and obviously everybody on the podcast um all right speaking of Braxton Key so going into his visit last week, I think everybody sort of hoped Virginia was going to be able to to lock it uh, lock it down. Um, maybe took a day or so longer than many of us expected. Um, what are our thoughts generally on Braxton Key, and how happy are you, Dave, to have him in the fold going into um, his his redshirt year uh, this fall? He's good. I'm happy. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't want to say. There isn't like, you know, there's not a better 2018 recruit that maybe we would have had a chance with six months ago. But um, he's really good. I mean, I hope people don't focus too much on last year's stats. I do think the injury kind of messed him up, and that team was a little weird with Sexton dominating the ball so much um, and kind of being the reason everyone was watching them. He's a really good player. Um, you know, just watching his highlights and going back, you know, essentially he's a, he, he shoots the three about like Devin and, and Justin were before their breakout season. So that doesn't concern me too much. And he's a perfect plug and play to replace DeAndre Hunter. I don't know. We, we got, I don't want to say we got lucky because you have to keep the relationships open, but it, it's a great fond and a, a great addition. Yeah. I mean, I think that pretty basically what Dave said, I think that, uh, uh, you know, his freshman year, he had a breakout obviously campaign for them and, and then last year he was a key contributor on a team that was ended up as a eight or a nine seed, whatever it was, and got to the second round of the tournament. So, um, and I think there's obviously some familiarity there with the Virginia program, considering you know the family that he comes from, and and obviously playing at Oak Hill. So I think that it's a natural fit. And uh, I mean, as we've seen, players uh, tend to take advantage of that redshirt year under Tony, whether it's a uh, freshman coming in that redshirts or a transfer. And, uh, and and we see a, a good version of them afterwards. So I'm excited to see what he can do in 2019-2020 uh, uh, once he finally takes the court. I, uh, I think that 
what I found interesting about it is I, I, I was talking to some folks this week, um, different sources and such. And one thing I think Virginia did a really nice job of, I mean, look, let's be honest. If there was like a, I mean, Virginia's real good on the rebound recruitments. Um, I mean, if, you know, <laughs> if there was a third time as the charm recruitment, I'm sure they'd be good at there too. But like, they're really good on these, on these um, bounce back recruitments. And, that prior relationship, I think, allowed Virginia's coaches to say things to Braxton um, in a in a very honest way that he that he was able to hear in a very genuine way. Because I don't think that many other co- many other coaching staff would have been able to be as frank with him about maybe some of his um, uh, deficiencies and and some of the ways that 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 they thought they could uh, be good for him. Um, I think last year. I think last year there were times when he maybe pressed a little bit because um, he was. Tr- he, I, I think the the expectations were high after his freshman year, and given everything that that was going on in Alabama with with Sexton and and, and kind of the excitement around him and stuff, I, I think Braxton pressed, and I think he probably would 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 be able to tell you that yeah, I did. I, I pressed a little bit last year, and then he got a little bit um, out of whack uh, in terms of maybe trying to do a little too much. Uh, I think he was probably frustrated. He wasn't getting making more contribution. wasn't a bigger piece of the pie, uh, or excuse me, bigger piece of the puzzle. And then um, you know he, now as he as he moves on to his second stop, I think you know there's a there's a maturity level that has to come with that sort of transition because you're not going to play for a year and you have to sit out and you have to essentially work like you are going to play. And I think that that requires a, a, a level of maturity. We think about Virginia's success here, right? We, we talk about, you know, the, the success that Tony's had with these kinds of situations. But, I mean, who was the last one, right? Um, the last one was, was a certain, you know, uh, a, certain, a certain player that didn't really do a whole lot. A certain, another, you know, highly touted big man that Virginia got on a bounce-back recruitment. Um and I'm, I'm I'm certainly not saying that Braxton gives me those same vibes or anything like that. I'm just saying that like, just because Virginia's taking a kid in that situation doesn't mean it's going to work out. It's extreme, extremely vital for the Cavaliers because like like they like he really is a great uh, replacement for Dre. And I think Virginia's really like the staff is really excited about uh, what that means for them. Um, I said something to somebody this week and was like, you know, I'm not really sure if he's. If, it almost strikes me as. Dre is more more guard three four and Braxton is more forward four, three four, and they they thought you know not maybe it wasn't quite as cut and dry. Um, they are they are really really excited uh, about getting this kid, and they they are really confident um, in what he can mean to them. Do you guys feel like this is a um, game changer, Dave? I mean, is it a yeah. is it a? Uh, I mean, how much of a game changer? How much did the game change, Dave? I mean, it depends on what game you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about Virginia's. You know, think about where we, were, where we were maybe, what, six weeks ago? Less than that. You know, it looked like Tony couldn't recruit anyone all of a sudden. Um, you, you got a bunch of holes to fill in 18, 19, and even, you know, the bigger holes in 20. And there was really no momentum. And then in the last three weeks, you've landed – I mean, last uh, five weeks, you've landed Marcel, Cafaro, or Cafaro, how you pronounce it, and and now Braxton Key. So that's, that's a good, you know – a good month of April, early May. Um, and the piece that Key offers, I, I think, is the reason I like the Key thing so much. Not only is he a great player, but finding another one, another Hunter like player for me, allowing the offense to have the versatility and for Tony to be comfortable playing small, um, 
and forcing other teams to match up, something we've talked about ad nauseum over the last couple of years. You know, essentially, you've got you know Hunter this year to do it, and then you should have Key the following year. You, know, you know, probably won't have Hunter, but there's a potential you've got both. And that just gives you so much versatility in how you recruit elsewhere. Um, now I know we're going to talk about you know, you've got a lot of flexibility with that one or two scholarships left in 2019 now. And heck, you know, I know the staff's going to push hard, but I mean, if I'm them, I might want to wait and see Key and practice a little bit and see, hey, is he a one-year guy? <laughs> you know, is he going to sit out a year and then and then kind of explode in our system like Hunter did and be gone after after his redshirt junior year? Um, but I, I do think he can excel, and what I like so much about him is I think he's a little bit better in the post than Hunter is right now, so he brings you that dimension. Um, I think. I think he's got a little better hand or handle than Hunter, too. He's not the shooter that Hunter is yet. Um, so he's different. And the way he can mix and match with the bigs in the program, you know, assuming Hunter progress, I mean, Huff progresses and is able to give you something, you know, could, could Huff go out and allow, and allow Key to kind of get to the post? If, if Huff, you know, and vice versa, because Huff's got a little bit of back to the basket game. And if he doesn't, is Kafaro turn into a low post scorer? Can he play with him? So I like the flexibility that Key offers you, and plus you've got a year to figure it out while having a very high-impact player playing that position in DeAndre Hunter. It's it's a lot better than it was last podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the whole narrative of Tony can't recruit was overblown in the first place, but, yeah, I mean, obviously it's good to go get these guys. And, I, I, I don't, you know, it's I don't think – I think Key is a very good player. I don't know if he's a – game changer for this program because I think they could have gotten somebody else that was good you know as a freshman to come in and fill that spot eventually but um I'm still very excited to have him and I think it kind of helps with the natural succession of the roster and all that good stuff um but yeah I mean I think that getting those guys and obviously uh Cafaro Cafaro um he's kind of you know we're still figuring out what he is and what he will be. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to redshirt or what. Um, I actually, I think I might be a little higher on him than some, just based on what I've seen of him in limited clips. I think he's got athleticism and he can move well. Um, and he doesn't look like he, you know, is out of place on a basketball court. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And obviously more so we talked about already. Um, you know, he's going to be a, a great addition to this team as a, as a combo. So um, I don't know if it's a game changer, but the game got more fierce in the uh, words of somebody <laughs> on the wire. I can't remember who it was. Slim Charles. Was it? Yeah, okay. it was Slim Charles. Yeah, in that raspy voice. No, no, no. It wasn't. Yeah, it was not. It was Slim Charles. For a second, I thought it was Cuddy. Oh, man. But what I do I like about Key, what I do like about Key the most is he brings you some like proven minutes. And when you start looking at the roster and the out years, obviously you're going to have Kyle and Ty. And, you know, but in, the, in many ways, Mamadi is still a question mark, right? I mean, we've seen. We've seen flashes of brilliance from him but we've also seen you know more fouls than minutes played um and then you start looking at some of the other people on the roster i mean there's with clark and anthony um statman Cafaro, badoji um and even huff i mean those are guys that tony kind of went out in the limb with so you need all of those guys to hit and key has shown he can do it at the d1 level and for me like just the okay you got that guy so now we don't need two of those guys that develop and be greater than maybe their their recruiting ranking says they will be. So I, I like the peace of mind it offers in addition to just the upside it does. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense. I mean, because 
you know, let's be honest, Tony, I think, like I said, I don't think the recruiting thing is accurate, you know, in a sense, but there is um, a tendency to sometimes take a guy that might need a redshirt year. And, uh, you know, if you took another freshman with more cell, maybe that's the kind of player you end up with. Um, or, you know, that's what they feel comfortable with. But you know that with Key, you know, he's going to take his year off this year and he should be good to go in uh, 2019. So, One thing I think is interesting is I think Ferber mentioned, um, you know, they could have found a freshman to sort of fill that role. So he's not really – I think what what's interesting to me is that if the things had been reversed, if they had Key and then they got Francisco, right, that – it would have made a lot of more. It would have made a lot more sense, and at least from the standpoint of, um, okay, once you got key, the pressure for you to go get a bouncy forward was off, and so now getting another big that you can let soak for a year um, makes a little more sense. In the it, from from the standpoint of, you already have sort of an unproven big in Diakita. I don't want to say unproven, inconsistent. Let's say right. He, he like Dave said, he shows he shows you a lot of flashes, and if and if he can put that together and do that consistently, he's going to be really really good. The the pro, you know the 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 crux is going to be whether he can put it together. Right. Uh, Huff is coming off of an injury um, where he's not going to be cleared to play um, until sometime early summer. So you're talking, um, you know, a couple months, um, three months maybe full you know off for his off season so how what kind of strength jump is he going to make and and what does that do for him uh in terms of his um his ability to stay on the floor i like he in night because basically it takes the pressure off of them in 19 where now they can go get another bouncy forward um or they can go with a you know a kind of a bigger perimeter guy um so whether they go with a 3 or a 3 4 realistically they don't have to have that guy be the end all be all they can have that guy be somebody who can who can make an impact but he doesn't necessarily have to carry the team and and if you think about today's point the out years like they were kind of in a spot where like they needed that dude by like year two to be able to really play because he has a lot of nice complimentary pieces right um i think clark is going to be a better player than most people give him credit for including many virginia fans i'm not really sure to what what to expect from statman uh, i like I'm like Ferber. I, I think um, Francisco is a um, a very workable piece, and I would tell you UVA is really excited about that kid. Like this was not like a reach for them. Like they they wanted to get this done. Like they found him. They wanted to get this done. Um, he was not somebody who just sort of happened. And they were like, all right, I guess not. I guess why not? Um, but from a scholarship situation, if we look at 19, we went from the April live periods to you know thinking, all right, they got Casey, and they they're probably going to take two more. A traditional big and a bouncy forward, um, potentially maybe two bouncy forwards. So now, like I don't want to say they're done in nineteen, but they they have one scholarship available too. If if Hunter decides to leave, um, it really does kind of change the calculus on that class, and it allows them to really sort of um, one be picky, but then also two to really get a great scout and evaluation on twenty twenties, and and allow Tony in the July periods to really be front and center for some kids. Like I imagine he's going to watch a lot. Um, like Mark Williams, um, which is good because I think they 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 need to see Henry Coleman more before they jump on that one. And I, that's a that's a pairing I think they could if they offered they could get done relatively quickly. Um, what are y'all? What, what's the? I don't want to phrase this. Where do you feel like the the recruiting uh, should go from here? What's 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 on your wish list now, Dave? As you as you sort of look forward, um, what do you feel like it? is on the is is on that list and and where do you think they should go 
I mean, honestly, I don't want to cop out on it. And I'll give you an answer, but a lot of what you see from Key, I think, will determine that. Like, you know, can Key give you a presence in the post, or is he going to be more of a perimeter guy? But for me, you know, let, let's assume he's what we've seen, and you know, he's a, he's a better. You know, the three point game is not the strength of his of his arsenal. Um, then I think you looking for 2019. I'd like to add another one. Um, I mean, for me, you give me a bunch of like six seven, you know, six six to six seven guys who can handle the ball, um, shoot the ball, and do like I'd take five hundreds. I mean, that's just kind of how I feel. Getting back to that whole concept of positionless basketball. So, um, just look. That's the one. I'm always going to go wing. I, I think if because there's just not you know if you told me there's a there's a 2019 I don't know about who can who can be Anthony Gill in the post or you know uh, even Mike Toby like I'd like to add one of those because I think they're so rare you always need to but I think first of all you got to look for a, you know a wing um, and then I don't know I I don't know where to go from there I think you've got there's so much there's so many players on this roster who have the potential to be really good, who we need to see seasoned a little bit. Like, I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm not making a decision unless it's – I'm not taking a guy unless he's a he's a top-notch, surefire kid at this point. Um, I mean, who knows what Badochi can be. Um, you know, there, There's talk of him, like, shooting the ball really well now, which I don't didn't think was going to be a strong suit for him. So if he gives you, like, that perimeter option and the defense, then maybe you look for more of a post guy, but – the the versatility in the roster is is interesting. I do think you need another ball handler, but I don't know if you need him for nineteen. He might be able to wait till twenty. So, I guess long story short, I'm copping out because I don't know what we've got. <laughs> but for me, I think the safest bet is that you know that big three four um, withers that kind of guy. I feel like Ferber has this thing that he says. When, when we're at games where he'll say, like he'll see like another team will come out and some kid will will have one of those like, um, like one of those like crossover moves and, you know, the little, little like sort of uh, angelic jump shot and you're like, okay, Kferber will say like, oh, he can play. Not not because like the kid is going to blow you away, but like he said something similar about Mark Rand. He's like, no, he's fine. He's a, he's a basketball player. And I feel like, to to your point, Dave, just a minute ago, you said you don't want them to take anybody who's not surefire. I would just say that like they need a guy who can score, who can handle the ball a little bit, um, and is physical enough to play defense. I just I, I think they just need to, to a guy who can who who passes that test. So if it's a four star, you know, rivals one fifty kid, that's great. If it's if it's say uh, a high three star kid with some decent offers, I think ultimately what it's going to come down to though is fit like. They, he needs to be in that six four, six five. A physical. They need a physical kid. They've they've got a couple guys now at, on the perimeter, who are not necessarily the most physical, right? Yeah, um, I mean the I reason I said that is like I don't know what Statman's going to be, and I don't know what Frankie's going to become. Like they could be that guy. So if you've got that guy and they're better than the recruiting thing thinks, and you're not in a hurry because you know at this point you're probably you probably got a few months for it anymore. Two thousand nineteens are really going to be pushing. Um, or you've got a little right. more time to to check it out. I might right. want to see them in practice against. You know, you're going to have a chance to run those guys against Key and Key and Hunter. You'll be able to tell a lot about them. Yeah, and and I think too, if you think about like um, 
there I mean like there's really no negative to where they are right now because they're going to be able to see key in practice they're going to be able to see the way the key pieces fit and they're still going to have plenty of time um to really kind of figure out where they want to go the one downside to that is um if they want to make Drake London a, a, a real a real focal point uh, my guess is they need to do it this summer um and Ferber that's where I'm going to go next what's your gut tell you uh on on how that kid would fit in and what do you think they should do um, with a, with a two sport kid like him? Yeah. I, I mean, that, I don't really know how you handle the two sport thing. Um, there, is there a precedent for that at UVA really that in recent history, uh, Terry Kirby, Matt Blunden. I was gonna say those are the only Man, two I I'm know. I'm 28 years old. I don't remember that. <laughs> Matt Blunden, Matt Blunden was really good. Like Terry Kirby was kind of just, he, he was, you know, but Matt Blunden like was a double, double guy. <laughs> Or a double yeah. rebound, double digit Matt, rebound guy. Sorry, Matt Blunden to me is the uh, basketball coach at Monticello High School, which he was like when I was in high school. Um, no, so uh, what was I going to say? Oh, there was actually I just thought of something. There was actually another person who did it with baseball, and that was uh, DJ Hill. Remember that? Um, he kind of yeah, like randomly started playing baseball. Yeah, that was fun. And then Tom Hagen, who punted um, and played baseball. Um, yeah, I don't know how you handle that from like a you know, strategic standpoint as far as scholarships and all that stuff. Um, but if he's a talented enough player, I mean, you, you do what you got to do to bring him in. Um, yeah, I've seen other schools do it and, and to some success anyway. And um, I think it could happen. It's usually, you usually end up sacrificing one of the sports to play the other just because so much time is invested in it and it's hard to keep up with both things at once. But uh, I, I think, I, I mean, I, both it's funny because like both of the football staff and the basketball staff, I think do a really good job of identifying kids that fit their culture and uh, people that they think, you know, will, will go to war with them um, or, or do what they need to do to succeed in that program. So I think that if there was a, 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 you know, a recruit that could do two sports in that way, then I don't think it would really be a negative. Um, I think it's, I mean, I, oh, this is kind of an aside, but I think it's good that, you know, when, when athletes play multiple sports, cause it just gets you more exposure to different, types of you know like body movement and and then obviously the uh, mental aspect of it and it's just good to be like a more well-rounded athlete i think so i don't i don't take it as a negative the cool thing about london you know drake he's a great basketball player like i think that's i haven't seen i've watched more basketball from him recently than football um but from a from a roster management perspective like if he plays both you don't have to count him for basketball because football supersedes it he becomes a football qualifier counter so you get, and I yeah. think, yeah, and I, I guess it, you would want to do that because there's 85. I think you have to, even if you gave him a basketball scholarship, yeah, you, he's a football yeah, counter, so you put him on football scholarship and let him play basketball. Um, yeah, yeah, because I guess that would be a way for teams to stash players on like the track team and stuff yeah. like that. It's interesting, but here's the thing though: is in a, there was a day, there was an era where having a kid like him be on a football scholarship made you even deeper because you could fill, but like, you're not going to fill out all your scholarships. Right. So like the, the benefit that you get from that is kind of, um, it's kind of non-existent. I do think though, the interesting thing to me is like, I think you recruit him and you don't even care about it. Like, because the, the benefit I guess is, is that you literally lose nothing, especially now, because if there was ever a year where you could be front and center and make a kid a priority, it's it's this year because they don't need they have no other real needs except for that spot, and he fits it perfectly. And he's a kid who has offers from both programs. Um, I I think that he's the the ideal fit. And I think if you're Tony Bennett, you recruit him like you would recruit anybody else until he says otherwise. If he says, you know what, I just want to play football, 
then you then it's the same to you as him deciding to go to some other school, right? I don't think there's any negative to that as long as you're getting traction, long as he's you know being responsive to your calls and texts, long as you know the communication is good. You keep going to see him, make him a priority. Try to convince him to just play basketball. And if he decides, you know what, I want to do both, then you, then then the football side and the basketball side got to you know hash it out um, how that works. But I don't think either one of those programs, given where they currently are would turn that down, especially for a kid who seems to fit. Um, I think it's interesting from a from a, a thought experiment standpoint, too, because we've just never seen a kid, um, I guess we haven't seen a kid like that in the modern era. And when I say modern, what I mean is like, like football season is essentially year-round, right? Like you you have your season and then you have a, maybe what, two, three weeks before the end of the semester, and then you go home for Christmas and then you come back and you go into off-season conditioning. Well, if you played basketball, you would essentially finish your season and jump right into basketball. Um, there would be no off-season for you. You'd go straight into it. Basketball season would take you all the way to basically spring football. Um, maybe, maybe that guy. Maybe he would take spring football off. Uh, I'm not sure how that would work. Um, and then he would have a handful of weeks at the end of the school year between spring ball and the end of the summer well then summer he's going to have summer session he's what's he going to be doing would would he be he would there the basketball gets a handful of uh of time you know to work with coaches and stuff during the week um my guess is he would be doing some of that while he's also doing football stuff like it would be an a really just like from just from a thought experiment standpoint like think about like how you would dice up your time um, and I know the studies show like the, 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 the kids who are not specialized, the kids who play multiple sports, they are healthier and they are better at whatever sport they eventually are playing. Like the thought process of let's get this kid into travel baseball at seven and a half years old and let him play all the way through. It just it's it, that's it's not necessarily good for him. Um, so, I mean, I just would be really fascinating. I kind of I kind of hope it happens just so we can, you know, have something to, you know, see Doug and Hootie writing columns about until the end of time. Yeah, I mean, Ronald Curry is like the the guy who did it the, the most famous. Who? <laughs> who? I, I hate to even bring his name on the podcast. Who? I was debating it. Um, but, you know, you know, starting quarterback at Carolina and he played point guard for the basketball team. Um, now, it's changed a lot then. You're, you're talking about by the time Drake got here, we'd be at a 20-game ACC schedule, right, for basketball. So bas- you know, ACC games are starting potentially before the end of the football season. When Blunden and those guys did it at UVA, ACC games weren't starting till January. You know, So they had time to come in. Let's face it, they were playing bowl games back then. So it was January-ish before they joined the team. And they were rusty when they started, but they would develop through the season. Most likely, if you're playing both, basketball is going to get the short end of the stick, um, just the way it the way it works. Unless you're not playing much for football, um, I'd have to go back and look at how Curry. I'm pretty sure Curry played basketball all four years um, at, at Carolina, so he would be the one who did it at the highest level. Like you know, Blunden played, but he wasn't a starter. Um, so, but I can't imagine doing that now. Um, you know, Dude, I could barely go to college, and when I didn't play sports, I can't imagine yeah. trying to go to college when you play two sports. Now, one of my roommates like, played. Yeah, you know, I went woo. to a D three school, and one of my uh, undergrad, and one of my roommates played football, and I felt bad for him that he never had any free time. <laughs> and that was D three football, you know. Yeah, I mean, so we've talked about this for a while, Brad. I think it would be remiss if we didn't 
Like, what are the odds of that happening, you think? You think UVA has a shot? I think so. I mean, it certainly seems like it. I mean, um, in talking to different UVA sources, like, I went in. I think they. I think they went into the um, the first live period in April. Not really sure like how much they liked him, but I think every time Tony watched him, he liked him more. And then they they kept watching him in the second live period, and that was the only. I think he was the only kid that was sort of a break from the from the plan of like seeing seeing as much of different guys and having different eyes on them. Like that was the one where Tony sort of wanted to wanted to be consistent and see the kid. And I think, in a way, maybe that was trying to figure out. All right, do I want to? Do I really want to go and make a push here? But I think also too is because he really liked the kid and he knows he does. And so, the the basketball football conversation, like I said, I don't think Virginia should worry about that. Um, I think all indications are at this point, like he wants to do both, but he's not. He hasn't like made it a a point to you know to like. Um, definitively say I'm only considering schools that offer me with both sports um, or who want me for both sports. Um, I do believe that Virginia thinks, thinks that, that he is, is leading towards them. Now, sometimes coaches can be a little insulated and that doesn't always mean that a kid is. And he's, I mean, I mean, if you follow him on social media, I mean, he's picking up offers from somebody every day or so. Um, whether it's football or basketball, the question is really going to be what happens for him between now and and July. Um, it it seems like two months isn't really not that long, but it's a long time um, in terms of where his mind is, where what what he thinks is important, the schools that are jockeying for position, who he thinks is a, making him a priority. I think you're going to see Virginia make a push, and I think they're going to try to get him. And I don't. And I, I, from the hoop side of things, I don't think they're going to care about the football side, because ultimately there is there is no negative for Tony Bennett and his staff. Because ultimately, if he comes and he tries to do both, he's a he's a counter for the football team, and that's just a um, a thing that they have to work out. Um, if there's going to be a if there's going to be a a, a kid if you, you're going to have uh you know walk-ons essentially on your bench anyway might as well have one of them that you can actually count on in a game and I, today's point like tw- like the, the demands of two sports just it makes it sound too like too much it just seems too daunting but i do think the chances are pretty good and i think the cavaliers are going to be right there and uh, i think they're going to they're going to do everything they can to get in there just to uh, um, just to put a bow on the Matt Blunden thing, since he's the UVA guy, and we don't want to talk about the other guy. Um, you know, Blunden started a quarterback for UVA in ninety ninety one. You know that that season, the season after Sean Moore, he had the record for you know the most consecutive pass attempts without an interception. Um, he went that entire year. So ninety ninety one, he was the starting quarterback. Sorry, I got four hundred tabs pulled up here. Um, he started. Non non games. I guess he was hurt at some point. Nineteen touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, he played spottingly, you know, sparingly the the three years prior to that. Like played in eight games his junior year, six games as sophomore, but never throwing more than fifty passes. Um, basketball wise, his sophomore year he played them. He started thir- twenty four games, but that was a year he only played like three games in football. Um, Average twenty two minutes. His senior year when he played the most football he only started one game for basketball his career stats for basketball um not outstanding (laughs) you know 3.6 points 4.5 rebounds so 
one thing too on on Drake is <laughs> like um from a skill set standpoint like he fits exactly what UVA needs on the on the basketball floor w- football wise like i think he probably fits what they need too like if 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 both of these coaches like cuz that's what that's what would ultimately have to happen right is that two the two sides would have to basically figure you know hash it out and if i'm him i want to see them put together a plan for me to be doing both um and i think just as knowing what i know about both coaching staffs and both head coaches and like i th- i have no doubt that they would figure it out but man like talk you know coaches are like coaches are oddly like paranoid in general like they're just par- like it's just a profession that just breeds paranoia right um, like Robert and I was like convinced that like scouts from uh, Richmond and whoever were in the stands uh, for the final spring practice. Um, coaches are just kind of naturally paranoid, paranoid, right? Like they would, inst- they would want to have whatever the situation is be most beneficial to their own team. Right. Cause why would you not? And so like, ju- I think that in and of itself would just be fascinating. Uh, but I do think that it's up to, it's up to UVA, um, you know, I don't know if, if Carla gets involved or who, how this process works, but basically the two sides have to figure out a plan and I would imagine he'd want to see that. And, um, um, but the kid does kind of fit exactly what, uh, both sides sort of are, are looking for, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, let's, let's transition over to our fifth side of the ball, which I believe is going to be, um, we're going to, we're going to like, uh, cross streams here with, uh, a former, what did we used to call it when we were, was it? Was it uniform talk or what was it, Dave? When we used to talk about uniforms on the reg, what was that called when we did that? Was it like uniform? God, I can't remember. Um, this uni- is before my time. UniWatch. It was like UniWatch, wasn't it, Dave? UniWatch. I think that's right. Yeah, he's still around. <laughs> that's a thing. Still. <laughs> I mean, no, no. We used to. I mean, I know it's like a thing on the outside. I'm saying we used to call it that here. I'm sorry, I okay, stepped away for a second. But yeah, we, I can't remember. Oh, it'll come to me right in the middle of Ferber's discussion. Go for it. Okay, Ferber, go ahead and lay out the uh, the conversation about uh, uniforms here. Uh, there are new uniforms. <laughs> I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. I knew when I when I set you up, he's going to say there there are new uniforms. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, they look nice. I like them. Well, I was going to, I was going to, before we got into like giving our opinions about them, I was going to yeah, set right. it up and say like, this is one of the weirder rollouts of like new uniforms I've seen. Whereas like, they're not if, very good at it. Yeah. If you followed recruiting, uh, the kids have, have had pictures with these jerseys for a while. We didn't get to see like a comprehensive and really like uh high res view of them. Um, but obviously there's a, you know, some combinations and, and it's a much cleaner look. Um, they've taken the, the numbers off the shoulders um, numbers are still on the side of the helmet, but I thought the, the helmet is a, is a much cleaner look. Um, both the white uh, and the well, actually they make I guess there's all three colors um, for the helmet. Ultimately, I, I think I think it's a really nice upgrade, and it makes a lot of sense to me. What are, What are your thoughts, Ferber? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's more of a modern look than what they had before, um, so I think that's good. It kind of combines the nice aesthetics of the uniforms that they were wearing, especially the home ones, with like a more modern look. Um, I'm a big fan of the number, uh, like font, whatever you want to say. The yeah, stripes that font on the is side. hot. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the pants are a more simplified look that looks nice. Um, I wouldn't have thought of this on my own, but I'm a big believer in the two stripes on the helmet instead of three. Um, I think that's a cool look, and it's unique. I mean, I don't think another team in college football has that, so that's pretty cool. 
Um, and then the numbers on the side of the helmet, I'm not a huge fan of those, but at least they did it to match the, you know, like the, the number on the uniform font. So that, that it's, it's just a cleaner look. Um, I really like the all blue and the all white. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's a nicer look. And then I, it looks like they're going to have names on the back. So I think that's a good step forward. And, and also like the home jersey last year and the away jersey, they didn't match. They were two different uniforms. And I think it's good to just have like one brand across. And, and I think it'll it'll look nice on TV. Dave pointed this out earlier uh, among um, us knuckleheads that the uh, Matt, the um, uh, equipment guy, tweeted out a picture today that had um, the all white, the blue and white, and the orange and white, and that the blue and orange and white um, um, demo model, whatever you want to call it, is wearing navy cleats with like orange accents. And I, I gotta say, like that's a lot sharper than I expected it to be. I'm not, I'm not a heavy fan of the orange. I sim- simply because like orange to me in football is not UVA. Like, and I, I know that's like blasphemy to some people, but like it just, it still looks like Clemson. Um, the blue and the, or- the blue and the white to me are the, especially that the all blues and the all whites were really nice. And that white helmet, like I, uh, I emailed UVA and was like, Hey, can, um, now that there are new jerseys, you know, can, can you send me some high res, uh, versions so that I can use them for graphics and stuff because I I use stuff like that all the time. There's a kid that you don't have a picture of. You got to use some kind of art, and they sent me several and like really they were just kind of pictures of like Joe Reed um, and Chris Peace. Um, I forget who the third one was. There were three of them, but Jordan Mack. But then there was this one where Jordan Mack is like holding the white helmet down, and I was like, "Yep, I'm going to use that at least once a week from now until like the end of time," because it's just it's just a really clean. I mean that that helmet the it's like matte white or whatever you call it. I don't know what the technical term is. I'm, I'm a big cut fan or something. Yeah, whatever that means. Um, in, in in uniform talk, that's like special. But I mean, it's just Matt White to me. I just think it's really cool, and I think folks are gonna it's gonna resonate. I think the Ferber's point, like the the numbers, that font is sharp, and I really like that. And yes, we understand that the what is it? The tip of the saber is in every number. Yeah. yeah. Or no, no, the tip of the yeah, uh, the, the tip v. of the v saber. Yeah. The v, I, I was thinking like the tip of the actual saber. I was like, wait, that's not right. Um, yeah, I mean, like I never would have noticed that if they didn't say it. I don't really care about that. Yeah, I just think it's, it's a better look. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like one of those like kind of like cool designs that that you know, like having the urn not given stitched in. Yeah, it's like the stuff on the inside of the collar. Like we can't. Yeah, see that. we can't see that. Just, Is protect your cart in in there too, or no? No, just just uh, just urn. I, I think given. it's on the back of the socks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still have not had anybody give us an actual explanation of what protect your cart is. I'm going to find out at the mid the the social. It's I like go Fight to. Club. You're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, Dave, if you had gone to that now, like I'm, perfect attendance thing, you could have asked him yourself. Well, there was like eight thousand people there. Surprisingly, yeah, but you could have been like one of those dudes who got his hand got his hand up and took his took a question and somebody took a picture of you. So you know those games like the last few years when you looked down and there was only like a few thousand people in the stands. Those were all the ones that you know, like me went to every game because it looks like Those all of them went were to in every there. game. Yeah. yeah, I like I like that you were. It was a perfect attendance event that you didn't go to. Yeah. I really I think the, like the, that, the comedy yeah. there is just is is right on point. I don't want to be so celebrated for that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what, so are you going to the wait? Did you say you're going to the social? Yeah, there's the a social, social. I think it's May seventeenth somewhere in there. So, so are you gonna up. are you gonna take a recorder and um, play back some things for the podcast? Because if Doug can go to this thing in Roanoke and write a story about it, Dave, you can go and record some things and bring it back. I'm, uh, I'm gonna do what needs to be done, Brad. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> All right, sweet. I like the sound of that. Um, but no, so back on the uniforms. I I really like them. I think they've been a pretty much a, a good, uh, a, you know, pretty much a hit. I, I you know, you're gonna get always a handful of people who who don't like any sort of change. But 
um, I, I think anything to get you away from um, from the previous regime and, and everything, I think is a good is a good move. And yeah. in a way, it's funny we, we were joking about how they like kind of just rolled it out uh, without rolling it out. Um, it just kind of happened, you know. And then one day, it was almost like somebody was like, "Hey, we probably should like make a big deal of this." And they were like, "All right, let's put a video together." Um, I kind of liked that they didn't make a big deal of it, like a huge deal, you know. Like I ho- I liked that it. it was just like one random day, and boom, there they were. Um, My problem but, was just that they like let them get out. Yeah, like, without you, you, you any attempt the, to not let them get out, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, I, they I don't know the time that's happened. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that would have been very well received if they'd have done a big. Like, that, yeah, that's what you know, I'm saying. Thing. Like I think Mike I think London did. Would, Remember that? I mean, he had like the yeah. trailer outside and all that stuff. And people came out and but uh, but you know what though? At that, I, I on the one hand, I totally agree with you, and I and like as somebody, no, at that time, I, I ate it up, man. I, I spent the whole day waiting for it, man. <laughs> Don't let <laughs> me. You have to remember, he's coming after Al, Al Groh, who didn't want to give you any access, and then you got yeah. You know, it's just like, but you know what's funny to me? I was thinking today. I remember when Bronco was hired. I can't remember if it was you or Ferber. One of you like it texted. It's always Ferber. One of you like texted. I hope he brings the uniforms. It's Ferber, and he yeah, pretty Ferber much was a did. big fan of the BYU. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they're very similar. Um, Although I like, I still like BYU's better. Don't 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 at me. I still like BYU's better. Yeah, I mean, better. like I I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was gonna bring as much stuff over as he did. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I like. I think they have a clean look. Um, they you know who they are on TV. Like, you know, it, it honors the past. They they you know they wear stuff that they used to wear, and they're they have that royal blue uniform that's awesome so i mean like that one is one of the best uniforms in college yeah football, it, it really is you've I'm so excited. Hard. yeah go ahead sorry <laughs> no i was just gonna say i don't think we'll see like all the combinations that we've seen all the time i think they're gonna try to stick with the the looks that we've seen you know the white helmet blue jersey white, white pants combo i think we'll see a lot of that and i think we'll see a lot of the all white on the road and then maybe you know one game a year they'll go all blue or all you know wear orange or something like that I think yeah, they should was, only wear orange on homecomings. That's yeah. what I think. I think and orange I should be. I kind of like having like a set uniform with a few games where you just tweak it. You know, instead yeah, of like the London era, it was like every game there was a different. Uh, yeah, and every every Thursday you're waiting for somebody to tweet out what the captains picked out. Yeah. Like I don't I like agree. the orange jerseys. As long as I never see the orange jersey with blue pants, I'll be okay. Like that's my least favorite look. You like, you know, the, yeah. The, London did it a few times. It looks terrible. I, I agree with you, right? Like the orange should be like once a year, or maybe run it out for a. You know, if you play a Thursday night game or something, but then I don't know. Um, no, I'm serious. I just every year at homecomings because you're always going to play one game at home, and that's going to be that game. So just wear it that wear it that game. It's always that game, and that's it. Move on with your life. Like yeah. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, Virginia's a tough school. Yeah, you, uh, Ferber mentioned like going back to the roots of BYU with their uniform there, but you know Virginia has like you know two identities there where they were nationally known. It was the orange jersey, white helmets under Moore, and then the the new blue with the with the Matt Welsh design V Sabers with yeah. you know the 90s so it's tough um for me I'm the I like the blue on blue I mean the blue on blue on blue is really good which historically the blue on blue <laughs> blue hasn't looked good um I'm just I, I like the cleanness of them I like the fact that they are a actual uniform now you know last year we were essentially wearing throwbacks um so you couldn't buy them anywhere either and uh, Matt just tweeted out you know, a little while ago, like, uh, you know, they're going to have the blue jersey and the orange jersey in retail for people who like to wear jerseys again. Oh, that's nice. Thing. Um, but I, I just think they, they look sharp. I mean, you're going to know they're Virginia. Uh, I've seen some people tweet out they look a lot like Auburn's, but, you know, it's not only so much you can do with when you share the same colors. 
Yeah, I would say this: if they want to bring back the orange with the white and the and the UVA and cursive, I'm all about it. Just tell me where I sign to make the position happen, because like that to me is the best. I, like I, I I totally understand it goes against everything I've probably said over the last like ten minutes, but I would I would be all about that. Um, Did you crack you up thinking back now in the London regime? How many helmets we saw pop up for one game and disappear? And then just never be seen from again, except I've got until like the mini. I'm looking at mini helmet collection now. I've got like, I can't remember who, who they wore it against. Like the orange chrome that faded into white. Yeah, I can't either. They wore the there one was, against the the UCLA on the road. Yeah, yeah the UCLA. Yeah, and then they wore like a reverse of it against Boise. And then oh, yeah, they the, wore that the one that one that was like graphite. Uh, that thing was sick. Tick. I like that helmet. Yeah, and that they thing only wore was nice. it like once. <laughs> yeah, it was a one-time deal. But then I think I think what what happened though is that that was about the time when like Virginia as a program, uh, you know, like as an athletics department, finally got into this right that everybody else was doing, which was like having these special you know whatevers. Virginia got into it, and they just happened to really really be suck at that point, and like so nobody wanted like everybody associated all the jersey theatrics with like sucking, and so now you can't really do you know because like everybody like every school does something fun. You know what I mean? Like every school does something weird and off, you know, off the beaten path, like whatever that thing is for them. And except like for UVA, yeah, except, but then everybody started doing it. Uh, UVA finally joined the band, and they were like, "Yep, that music sucks." I'm like, all right, well, I guess we won't do that anymore. Like, I think that's sort of their thinking, and I honestly, can't really blame them. So I think, I think what they've done now is kind of found a nice little happy medium, which is. You know, they've found something that works that they can stay consistent with and also have a little fun. I actually think I really like that idea that um, what Matt said about them being, you know, fans being able to buy jerseys. Because I think that's one thing that, you know, one thing that Virginia struggles with is like when you don't have a traditional look, like people don't like they don't get into it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, that look, we, we can talk about branding and da da da. But like ultimately, like it's the thing that connects the fans to the to the game. You know what I mean? Like I think that's that's something UVA football is long missed and you know we could we could uh we could talk about that for hours but um i think 10 minutes or so on on jerseys is probably enough um so i'm gonna put a pin in it there um i want to thank everybody for continuing to support the show as always want to thank um thank folks if you found the show uh because you're a subscriber to the website i appreciate your support feel free to pop over to uh, apple podcast or whatever it's called on google um Stitcher, whatever, wherever you get your podcasts and, and give us a rating. I really would appreciate it. But if you're somebody who found us uh, via one of those avenues, give us a look at Cavs Corner. Um, it's 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 probably the one time of the year. I, I could call it my slow season, but really it's my busy season because I have to – when you don't have games, there's a lot more that you have to sort of get step and fetch for. But there's plenty of stuff uh, to check out on the website. So give us a look uh, at CavsCorner.com. I want to thank – Dave and Ferber for uh, giving graciously of their time as always. And again, want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.